Greetings, I'm Keith Klein, the host of the Venture Fizz podcast, where I interview the most fascinating people in the tech scene. For the 23rd episode of our podcast, I interviewed Ellie Merman, the CMO at Crayon in Boston. Ellie was one of the early, early employees at HubSpot, as she joined the company right after they raised their Series A round of funding, and there were only about 10 to 15 employees. So that means she saw the full life cycle of the company in terms of their growth to an IPO and wore lots of different hats along the way. Since HubSpot, she was the VP of Marketing at Toast for a little over two years and is now the CMO at Crayon, a marketing and competitive intelligence platform company that just raised $5 million in venture funding. In this episode, we cover lots of topics. We talk about those fun videos HubSpot was making during the early days of the company. You might remember the Alanis Morissette one. That was a classic. Why she loves joining early stage companies to build out their marketing function. The current state of the marketing industry and trends. Career advice for marketers who are looking to become a CMO and a lot more. Okay, do you subscribe to any of our emails? We have three of them. A weekly tech buzz email that comes out on Mondays, which is a digest of all the information you need to know about the Boston tech scene. Our daily job alerts email, which includes positions that were posted to our job board from the previous day, and our daily stories email, which keeps you up to date on all the great articles that we're publishing. Go to venturefizz.com backslash email to sign up. Okay, without further ado, here's my interview with Ellie. Ellie, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much for having me here. So I was excited to talk to you because I was a huge fan of the early days of HubSpot where you guys had these fun videos. You guys were doing flash mobs in the Cambridge Side Gallery Mall. So one video in particular I remember was you guys uh, turned Alanis Morissette's You Oughta Know song into uh, You Oughta Know Inbound Marketing. So who is the brainchild for these fun videos? Yeah, so we did quite a few videos for a stretch there. And I think the You Oughta Know video was the first one. So kind of our first foray into musical marketing videos. And, uh, you know, big shout out to Mike Volpe, CMO at HubSpot at the time. And, you know, he really wanted to take a fresh approach to marketing, uh, kind of in the spirit of inbound marketing and do a lot of education. And then uh, a good friend of mine now, Rebecca Corliss, uh, who is both a musician, you know, singer and marketer. So that kind of combination was perfect. And we ended up doing a ton of videos. They were super fun. Definitely became a big part of our culture too. It totally did. And I would remember anyone I would talk to. So my background being a recruiter, I would ask, hey, what other companies are you checking out or what companies are of interest? Every single person would say HubSpot. And I, I would even ask the question, do you know what HubSpot does? And people didn't even know. But they wanted to join the company just because it looked like a fun place, great culture, great people. And they must be doing something interesting if they're building a big company. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely became a great recruiting tool. Yeah, totally. Um, and then you were like a YouTube star before that was even a thing. Yeah, definitely not what I expected out of my career, but uh, <laughs> a nice side effect. All right, well, let's take a step back. Um, your background, where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Yeah, so I grew up uh, in the suburbs of Boston. So. Went, grew up here, came back here. I went up to McGill in Montreal uh, for college. So that was kind of my way outside of the, the state and got to live in the city. Absolutely loved it. Uh, Montreal is still one of my favorite places in the whole world. And then- Amazing uh, school too. Like McGill is like yeah, amazing. Highly recommend it. Um, big fan. And while I was there- uh, you know, studied world religions, not quite the uh, not marketing, 
software marketer. But uh, in the summers, I would do uh, internships uh, at a software company doing marketing. And I fell in love with it. And then from that uh, experience, you know, I knew I wanted to come back to Boston, actually live in the city. And uh, because of my marketing internship experience, ended up making connections that brought me to HubSpot. I uh, was there for about a little over seven years, um, then went on to Toast uh, for a few years. And here I am now at Crayon. Awesome. So is that SolidWorks? Is that when you connected with Mike Volpe? It is, yes. And what did you do at, you know, for Mike initially, or how did you establish that connection? Because it's a pretty large company. Yeah, so uh, some background too. My family is largely software engineers and mathematicians, uh, except for one uncle. <laughs> My uncle is a, a startup marketing guy. And so he was the guy who you know, pulled me into that world. Uh, he was, you know, made the connection to Mike at SolidWorks, and uh, he had been there too. And so made the connection with Mike, worked in the marketing department there in all sorts of different departments, uh, got a little bit of taste of, you know, the demand gen side, a little bit of a taste of the PR side, and just loved the variety that was in marketing. So I knew I was hooked. Um, and then when I graduated, uh, was right around the time that Mike was moving from SolidWorks over to HubSpot. Uh, mm. Got to jump on that train and uh, follow him over to HubSpot. And that was the super early days of HubSpot. So there was, I don't know, how many employees were there at the time? About 10 or 15. Wow. Okay. Right after the Series A. Right. So you saw the full life cycle from Series A to IPO. Yep. Yeah. Let's talk about that. I mean, we talked a little bit about the fun culture of HubSpot, which it was known for. But, um, you know, I'm sure, you know, every company has some, you know, aches and pains to get to a public offering. It's not a smooth sailing the whole ride. So let's talk about your career there. Yeah, so you know, I was there for a little over seven years, uh, moved around the company quite a bit, uh, both because the company was growing and because that was the experience that I was going for. I wanted to learn as much as possible. So, you know, as marketing came through, I worked on a variety of different areas in marketing. I uh, was definitely more focused on the demand gen side and, you know, moved over to the product side at one point, got that experience, uh, moved back into marketing when it was a completely different scale. And uh, got to run a team there as well. So I definitely saw different phases of the company's growth and also different perspectives from different parts of the company. So why do you think HubSpot was so successful? You know, it's an interesting question. I think that part of it is certainly because we were at the start of a change in sales and marketing. And HubSpot was helping marketers figure out how to do this new way of marketing that was probably going to come about one way or another. But uh, HubSpot was there to, to help pave the way, create the tools, enable marketers to really take advantage of it. And certainly we had an amazing team to make that happen. You know, a lot of smart, hardworking people and really dedicated to figuring out what the core of the challenge was to then be able to solve that challenge with education, with software to, to really help marketers take advantage of it. Is it safe to like, is it true that um, Brian Halligan and Dharma Shah, they, I mean, they pretty much invented this whole inbound marketing category. Yes, they, I mean, they've had, had those experiences through Brian's VC experience and working with a lot of startups. Also, Dharmesh's firsthand experience of creating this blog that completely took off. And they realized that there was a change in the way that buyers were experiencing, uh, you know, researching companies, researching products. And marketers weren't changing their way of reaching those 
buyers. And so they realized this was uh, kind of a new way of doing marketing. We talked about the best way to educate the market about it. And, uh, you know, everything from there is history. All right. So obviously at HubSpot, you climb this mountain, you build a company that gets to the point where it's ready to go public, which at that point in time, when HubSpot went public, tech IPOs, uh, the window's a little bit more open right now, but at that point in time, it was very bare bones. So talk about that day when finally you reach the next rung of being, a, you know, growing a company to, a, to an IPO. You know, it's funny. When I, since I had been there from so early on, the IPO always felt like it was this thing far in the distance. And of course, we we had ingrained in us that the IPO is a great milestone, but it's really just a step on a longer journey. It's not the you know end uh, point. Uh, we really have to do a lot of work after that too. So all of those things combined made me almost in disbelief until the day it actually happened that it. <laughs> happening. Uh, and it was amazing. I mean, I was in the HubSpot office in Cambridge at the time, and uh, we all piled into our biggest room, kind of like a conference room where we had a lot of our company meetings, but we had since outgrown this room. So uh, we just piled in as many people as we could fit and the energy was insane. So it was, uh, it really reminded me of, you know, the highest points that we had had throughout the history of HubSpot and, you know, looking around, seeing everyone celebrating and, and being so excited and, and watching the video from the floor in New York. Uh, it was an incredible moment. Yeah, that's uh, amazing. That's incredible moment for the Boston tech scene too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, then uh, obviously you moved on and you joined Toast, which at the time was a really early stage company that has blown up since. Yes. Uh, so when I, you know, I finally realized that uh, I wanted to do the startup thing again. You know, HubSpot had grown to, I think, about 800 or so people, uh, have, you know, post IPO. And I knew I wanted to do the startup thing again. And I found Toast uh, through a connection. And we, I realized pretty quickly that. You know, they weren't well known, but they had incredible traction already and another really big market to go after. And so uh, excited to, to get in there and uh, help grow another company. Um, I wanted a very different experience in terms of a new industry, you know, far from the marketing world. Uh, and, you know, the restaurant world is very different in a lot of ways from the kind of marketing tech scene. Uh, and it was amazing. I think it grew even faster uh, in two years than, you know, the first couple of years of HubSpot. So, uh, you know, they're continuing on a great path now, too. And now now you're at Crayon. And, and how did you end up at Crayon? I noticed there's obviously uh, Jonah's a HubSpot alum, but how did you end up there? Yeah, so I had been in touch with the Crayon folks from the very beginning. Actually, before I joined Toast, I had reconnected with Jonah, our CEO. Uh, but, it, you know, Crayon was just starting out. It was too early to bring on marketing at the time. Uh, so we, you know, we caught up, we stayed in touch and then about, uh, maybe six to 12 months before I ended up joining the team, uh, you know, reconnected with Jonah, they had launched their, their market and competitive intelligence platform and I became a customer. <laughs> so I was at Toast, uh, in a very competitive market. We were a perfect fit for Cryon. And so we became a customer and I got to experience firsthand the challenge that Cryon is solving and really seeing the technology up close. Uh, and so that was incredible. You know, I wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, angling to get uh, to move on. Uh, but, you know, I was so excited about the crayon opportunity that I 
joined the team and it's been an incredible experience uh, already. Well, that's a perfect segue to uh, expand a bit on what does Crayon do? Yeah, so Crayon does market and competitive intelligence software. So we help you get an understanding of what's happening in your market with your competitors, your partners, thought leaders in the industry, so that you can use that to inform your marketing, your sales, your product development. Which is a, a, a new category, right? Like this didn't like salespeople, marketing, they weren't really focused on uh, looking at their competition and what they're doing. Maybe they're setting up a Google alert, right? Was that like pretty much what companies were doing? Yeah. So a lot of companies, if they're doing anything, it's a mishmash of Google alerts or just throwing people at the problem and doing manual research online. Uh, it's a really manual process, whether you're doing it the DIY side or even at the you know upper end of the spectrum, you're hiring consulting agencies to do big research projects for you. A lot of that has really relied on people and human effort to get at the market and competitive insight. And so we're trying to solve that problem with software. Uh, now is as good a time as any to be able to do that because there's so much more data available online. We can use software to start to mine that data and surface insights for you. And how does it work? Like it, it would tell me everything I need to know about the competition if they're making updates to their pricing or if they're publishing uh, white papers or like what, how does it work? Exactly. So we monitor the web at scale. We're monitoring something like 2.4 million companies and you know generating tens of thousands of insights every day. So we're monitoring all these changes. We're using our technology to filter through a lot of that noise so that we're not showing everything, every little change to you, um, but we're really showing you the meaningful changes. So when a competitor uh, changes a pricing page, when a competitor right uh, publishes new uh, content on their site, you want to know about that. Also, when a new customer writes a review about them, there are all sorts of great insights that you can gather. And so our technology is gathering it and then filtering through it to surface those insights that are meaningful enough uh, for you to take action on. Okay. Now, you're the chief marketing officer. What does that mean at a company like Crayon? Like, what's, like when you join, what did they have for marketing, if any? And you know, what, how has your role you know, kind of settled in there? Yeah, so as the CMO, I'm running the marketing show here and you know, trying to build a marketing team to help bring marketing competitive intelligence to more companies. Uh, what's incredible about the team here, one of the many things that I love about the team is that we are really marketing minded. So while I was the first full time marketer, there was already a lot of, kind of marketing foundation being built, uh, you know, with a lot of the folks being here. Uh, from HubSpot or from other MarTech companies, uh, they kind of had a, a good instinct around some of the basics to help build the marketing engine. Um, so I walked in on day one, we already had a couple of free tools that were generating all of this great organic interest. Uh, we were, already had some content that was getting published on a regular basis. So it was a fantastic situation to move to walk into uh, with a little bit of marketing foundation, but a ton of white space for me to just do what I thought could really help build up the company. Now, why do you keep doing the early stage startup? What is it about that stage of a company that interests you? You know, that question reminds me of a conversation we had uh, at some point in the HubSpot days, right? HubSpot moved through many phases. And in the it was described that in the early days, it was as if uh, it was much more about the creator profile. Like the, the team there was very much about building and creating something out of nothing. And then as you grow, certainly you can still have a place for folks like that, but you much more uh, need to incorporate more of an optimizer 
profile, someone who's going to take what's there and, and really grow it and scale it and test and optimize the different pieces of it. They're both are incredibly challenging and rewarding in their own ways. Uh, but I really love that first phase of the creation aspect where, you know, you don't know what it's going to look like a year from now necessarily. And you have so much to learn and so many different ways things could go. Um, I love that that opportunity to build something out of nothing. And certainly startups give you that opportunity uh, more so than the, the bigger stage companies. Are there any examples of things that you thought you would test that didn't work out that you thought they would, or things that you um, just were kind of gun shy, tested it, and just like totally exceeded your expectations, like marketing mm -hmm. experiments? I mean, that's been one of the most fun things moving from company to company is that you get to see what works in each industry differently. You also get to see uh, the different marketing tactics that work uh, in different points in time, right? In a lot of ways, CRAN is somewhat similar to the early HubSpot days, uh, but we're operating 10 years later. <laughs> so, you know, blogging is not a novel tactic anymore. Um, and so there are definitely different strategies that have worked or not worked. Um, so, for example, you know, HubSpot had great success with email marketing uh, for many, many years. And, you know, I ran that program for a period of time and we kept going back to it as a core tactic in our marketing programs. Uh, but then when I went to Toast, not the case whatsoever. Our audience was just not really reading email. They're not sitting at a computer. If anything, they're on their phones. It's a very different type of dynamic. Uh, you know, something like texting could be much more effective there. And then here, well, we do a little bit of email marketing, but email marketing has definitely uh, had a different experience in each of these different companies. Um, and same with our content strategy. Content has was definitely different uh, in you know the Toast's industry as opposed to HubSpot's and even now with Crayons. There are a lot of differences just based on the audience that you're going after as well as kind of the time that you're operating in. And like you're going down a path that I was actually hoping to touch upon, which is the current state of marketing, uh, because you do see, you know, content has been such a anchor for a marketing strategy yet, you know, is it still as effective as it once was, or is that kind of like jump the shark or, you know, email marketing, like email is just like constantly growing and growing and growing. And I get these drip campaigns that I don't even know how I ended up on their list. And so like, what's the current state of marketing? What, like, I know it depends on the company and the industry, but where has it evolved and what seems to be uh, working these days or upcoming trends? You know, I think in a lot of ways, marketing's evolution has moved from access to channels to being much more strategic about what you're putting out on those channels, right? You rewind to the TV ad days and it was much more about just getting that broadcast time. And then even getting to, uh, you know, the days, the early days of blogging. If you had a blog already, you were ahead of the game. And that's not the case anymore, right? Pretty much every company has a blog. Uh, now, you know, even the newer marketing tactics, a lot of companies are all taking advantage of them. And so it becomes much more about being strategic about what you're putting out there. So uh, I'll mention, you know, in terms of our own content strategy, I'm not interested in prioritizing just getting more and more blog content out there. Yes, we have a blog. Yes, we're regularly publishing. Yes, there are tons of benefits from SEO to thought leadership and beyond to using our blog as a marketing platform. But I would much more prefer to 
be strategic about the posts that we put out there, really focus on high quality, and even more so, you know, build connections with other outlets to do co-marketing together. You know, I don't want to necessarily add to the noise of content marketing in the industry today. I want to make sure that my marketing efforts really count. Uh, and so, you know, it's a good, good case for a lot of startups who maybe have uh, that are stretched for resources. You don't necessarily have to just have the biggest team just cranking things out. You can really pick and choose what you think is going to have the best impact uh, for your marketing metrics. And at what point should a company bring in marketing? Like I get that question sometimes from a founder. It's like, at what point should I bring in marketing? And then at what point should I bring in like a marketing leader, whether it's a VP or a CMO? You know, generally, I think it's when the team is ready to scale. So you probably had some sales, you've had some something proven out in terms of the um, a little bit of product market fit, or at least some inklings of it. So I think that that's usually the time that marketing's brought in, unless you want marketing to help with certain aspects that are needed early on in the business. So if you need more help uh, determining the personas and the uh, where your product fits in the market, those types of challenges marketing can help with. Uh, or if you're in an industry where marketing is really key for a differentiator or that's the audience that you're trying to reach, that might be a reason to bring in marketing earlier. Uh, but generally, I think it's part of you know, pressing on the gas. You know, you've gotten some sales and you're ready to really accelerate that and marketing can help in that process. Got it, okay. Well, congratulations on raising your most recent round of funding. So it was five million raised, right? That's right. Yes, thank you. So that's exciting. And uh, like what I was impressed with all along in each step in the fundraising process uh, for Crayon is the investors that you attracted to the company. Uh, so Steve Anderson from Baseline, who's you know you look at his portfolio of investments, it's just you know amazing. Uh, Eric Paley at Founder Collective, who equally is just amazing. And then certainly uh, you attracted a lot of interesting, uh, you know, angel investors too. You, I mean, Dharma Shah and Brian Halligan are investors, correct? Uh, Scott Belsky, who, uh, you know, so he started Behance, right? Yes, that's right. And then Eric Reese, who's known for the lean startup method. So it's just like, how, how are they able to attract such a, just a wide range of investors that are, you know, highly uh, influential? I've been so impressed by the group of investors that have participated in Crayon's growth. I mean, Steve Anderson of Baseline is an incredibly impressive investor, you know, investor in Instagram, Stitch Fix, Exact Target, Roku, like so many amazing companies. Eric Paley, who's on our board, incredibly helpful, also very impressive investor. Both of them are on the Forbes Midas list. And Eric has been a huge help in just helping us grow as a company and think about problems in the right way. You know, I think that one of the things that I've most appreciated about our group of investors is how thoughtful they are in understanding the market, really getting excited about our mission and really believing that we're a great team to make that happen and giving us the, the insight and the uh, help along the way to make it happen. And I, I think another thing that is impressive about HubSpot and how, uh, at least from what I've been told, how Brian Halligan and Dharmesh Shah operate the company, you know, it is very entrepreneurial and there has been a whole cluster of people that have moved on to start their own companies. Yet sometimes you look and it's 
the founders of HubSpot that are backing these next generation companies of offspring. And I think that has gone so far in terms of building an ecosystem for Boston that you know, just that was never really done too much, or at least it wasn't really discussed. It was almost probably like, oh my God, you can't leave our company. Are you crazy? But they almost applaud it or like, you know, invest in the companies to believe that they're going to be a future success, hopefully as big as HubSpot. That's right. I mean, even my own experience of when I decided to leave HubSpot, uh, there was probably a six month period from when I decided that was going to happen and when I actually did leave. And I was open about it the whole time with my managers because they were also helpful in connecting me with other startups. You know, they definitely believe in helping people grow in their careers and really thinking about the long term of that effect. And so, you know, by treating people well, you maintain those connections after they leave. Certainly a lot of uh, HubSpot execs have now become investors, so they're they're kind of bought into. Uh, so it creates this incredible network. And uh, that has definitely been consistent among the entire uh, employee base, too. You know, we have a vibrant HubSpot alumni network that we're still in touch with. It's one of the reasons that you find pockets of HubSpotters around different companies. Uh, you know, it's been uh, an amazing group to be associated with. What advice would you give to a marketer who is looking to work towards, you know, the, the goal down their career path to become a, a CMO someday? I'd say learn as much as possible. You know, I had the fortunate opportunity to experience different parts of marketing along the way, uh, experience different stages of companies, uh, experience uh, different parts of the company as well, different departments, even outside of marketing. It makes you a much more, uh, I guess, well-rounded marketer, uh, but it's more than that. It's it's about getting perspective on how your work impacts sales and how it impacts product and, and vice versa. And so having that experience is uh, really, really helpful. And, you know, there's this thought about, you know, to grow in your career, you have to climb the ladder. And that's not really the case for uh, a lot of amazing marketers out there. You can really gain so much from, uh, you know, moving to different parts of the business to get that experience, which will help you build your own skill set as a marketer, which will then, you know, either lead you in the path of, you know, becoming a VP of marketing or CMO, or maybe it'll lead you in a completely different path where uh, you have the opportunity to, to go down a road that you didn't even know that you would love until you experienced uh, those different aspects of the business. And I'm sure like you were uh, getting approached by recruiters, right? So, so how, how did you deal with that? Because like candidly, so uh, before when I was doing search work, you know, I would always ask the question like, so, you know, are there any people that you would think of for this role just to get their feedback, just kind of benchmarks for the search? And uh, oftentimes it'd be Mike Volpe. And I'd be like, well, okay. Well, and then he'd be like, well, well, like Ellie Merman would be perfect. Like they would just rattle off the HubSpot, like upper, you know, uh, VP and, you know, CMO of uh, the HubSpot you know, network. So, um, you know, so what, what's that like as far as you just getting, you know, all of a sudden you're on the radar, right? And you get this inbound interest for your career. Like, how did you manage that? Hmm. You know, I don't think it was intentional. I think I was really focused on learning and that's even why I moved around the HubSpot team. It's why I moved from HubSpot to Toast and then to Crayon. I, I was, I had that thirst for it for these new opportunities to learn. And so uh, it kind of came as a side effect of that. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot that 
there's a lot of hard work that goes into succeeding in your career that is certainly the less glamorous part, like the late nights and the hard work and the, the failures along the way. And that's the reality behind it, right? It's uh, not as fun to talk about it, but it is the reality of it. And um, I think if you if you do make that investment in yourself, those uh, those recruiters, those other opportunities, they come after you as a side effect of you really succeeding in what you set out to do. Yeah. And who do you consider uh, like mentors? Like who, who has been the ones that have helped guide you down your career path? You probably won't be surprised by them, especially since probably the one that tops the list is Mike Wolby. <laughs> yeah. You know, I worked for Mike for the majority of my career. Uh, I probably worked for him or in his organization for a decade. Uh, so, you know, he's definitely played a big role. Um, uh, my uncle, Elia Merman, he's the one who made the connection to Mike and he's also been a great resource along the way. Uh, you know, there are incredible people that I've gotten to work with, uh, either them as my manager or just in the organization. And then even my own peers have been incredible. You know, I have really close friends that I've met along the way that, uh, you know, we almost, we help each other. You know, we bounce ideas off of each other. We, uh, we talk about our challenges. We, you know, get ideas um, from just sitting down and chatting over a beer or, you know, having each other in each other's offices and, and chatting about things. So, um, you know, that's been incredible. What do you like to do for fun outside of work? I like to do anything artistic, uh, you know, probably in the spirit of how I approach marketing and how I love the variety of marketing. I also love the variety that's in all of the different ways to have artistic outlets. So it might be uh, photography one day or printmaking the, the next day and kind of jumping around to different ways of uh, kind of expressing some creativity. That sounds like fun. That's awesome. Well, Elliot, thanks so much for taking the time. You know, at the end of the, the podcast, I always like to turn things back over to you. If there's anything that you'd like to get out there to the VentureFizz audience, please let me know. Yeah. So, you know, certainly if anyone out there is looking for uh, getting more insight into their market and competitors, Crown can help with that. Uh, I have a lot of data to pull from on billions of companies. Uh, and then if we are also growing the team. So we're hiring pretty much in every department in the company, uh, gearing up to move to a bigger office so that we can fit all of our wonderful new hires uh, and put that new funding to use and help grow us to the next stage. That's awesome. Well, yes, we're counting on Crayon to be the next anchor pillar company in the Boston tech scene. So no pressure. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the pressure. <laughs> Ellie, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Well, that's our show. I hope you found it useful and entertaining. If you did, please make sure you subscribe so you'll get future episodes. Also, please consider leaving us a five-star review and share this podcast with all of your friends and colleagues in the industry. It all really helps us out. Last but not least, don't forget to visit VentureFizz.com, the most trusted source for tech and startup jobs, news, and insights. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.